This past uh, month, or this month, we are going through a series of messages just simply talking about about the church. And I thought today probably one of the, the good things for us to do is to talk about what is the the responsibility or what is the purpose of the church. And I think there's a lot of different ideas out there as to what the church is to be about, what we're supposed to do, uh, you know, what, what kind of... Uh, you know, what kind of a, a fellowship of believers we're supposed to be. And so I'm sure that whenever you think of church, there's some ideas or some certain things that you typically think of. And so I'm just going to ask you for a couple of them, and then we're just going to test to see if your answers are right. And we're not going to, we're not going to call anybody out. My guess is your answers are going to be pretty good. But when you think of church, typically, what is, uh, what is some of the value or the, maybe even the responsibility of the church? Just a couple of little answers here. If you cover your eyes and speak, nobody sees you. So, so what do you what do you think? What's what what's uh, some of the value of the church, or what's the responsibility of the church? Okay, community service. That's a good one. Reach out to others. All right, we'll just take those two. Y'all did a great job. Very well. Um, so the question is, are they right? And so what we're going to do is we're just going to look at the scripture and find out. Well, what does the Bible say about the responsibility of the church? And today in our scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul sharing with a a group of Roman Christians, the Roman church, talking to them as to what the responsibility was to be of their fellowship. And I just want you to know that our church has a purpose to fulfill. Uh, When God put us here, God put us here, He put our church here for a reason. And we're just going to take a look at some of the basic responsibilities of who we are and what we're to be all about. And so if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to take it and turn with me to Romans chapter 15. And in just a few moments, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 7. And so Romans chapter 15, verse number 1. Uh, while you're turning there, we'll just go ahead and get started. What is the responsibility of the church? A very first responsibility that I see in our text today is the church is to be a place to bandage wounds. Now, if you look in your bulletin, by the way, did you all notice the bulletins are humongous? Yeah, that's awesome. I, that was my call. I'm getting older. I can't see diddly. And so that's just for all people like me so that you'll be able to read it. But you'll see that the, uh, in the bulletin, this is called, a, it's, the church is a hospital for the helpless. And then really, when you think about it, you look through the text and you look through Scripture, you'll discover that the church is to be a place where people can come in order to have their wounds bandaged. And if you look in verse number 1, it says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Again, if you look in that verse, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Whenever somebody is wounded, like for those of you who are parents, when your kid gets hurt, he has a scrape, he has a cut, um, typically what you do, if, I, if the guys, we typically say, go see your mother. Uh, but what you do whenever they go see their mother is you clean out the wound, right? You clean it out, you make sure that everything's taken care of, you put a bandage on it, a band-aid, whatever it might be, because you don't want it to get infected. You don't want anything to get in there that's going to cause them more discomfort. And so anytime we see our children with wounds, we take care of the wounds. But what I've noticed about the church, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm just talking in general, whenever we see people with, with spiritual wounds, you know, people who are scarred by, by life, it is so easy to just let them walk around bleeding, 
to let them walk around in their hurt and in their pain and not really to do anything about it. And, and the fact is, we all have people around us who are wounded spiritually. And it is the job of Christians, it is the job of the church to reach out to those who are wounded and to bandage them. And back in verse number 1, it says, We who are strong. Now, whenever it says we, just as out of uh, just when you guess, who do you think we is referring to? It's referring to Christians. It's referring to the church. That's what the church is. It's made up of a body of believers. It says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. See, our church is to be a hospital for those who are in need of help. The church is a place where people should be able to come if they are broken and wounded and know that there's going to be people there who are going to, who are going to, to bind up their wounds and give them the medicine of Jesus. And yet too often what happens is we see the church as being a place that is only for those who are healthy, as being a place that's only you know, for, for the good people. Let me tell you something, if we ever get to a point as a church when we look around and we see that the only people who are here are spiritually mature, on fire, perfect-lived people, we are failing in our mission as a church. Do you know that? Let me tell you something, the church is not to be made up of perfect people. And most of you can look around and you already know that. But the church isn't to be made up of perfect people. Jesus himself said this in, in Matthew 9, 12 through 13. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous Jesus. So I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came to call the sinners. Whenever you go to the hospital, you, you may have noticed the kinds of people that typically are in the hospital. Have you all noticed what kinds of people are typically there? What kind? Yeah, sick people. Sick people are at the hospital. And, uh, you know, and, and I think most of us, whenever we think of sick people, I think most of us, we like to stay away from sick people because we don't want to get what they got. Um, I know that whenever, and I'll just, I'll just fill y'all in a little bit about me, not that y'all need to know everything about me, but when we shake hands at church, um, I don't know why we started that, or if, if that's even a good idea, because the only thing I think of is this just like a transfer of germs. And so, you know, we shake hands, and I'll shake hands with everybody. I mean, I make a beeline right back to that little, uh, uh, that little antibacterial soap right after it's over. Man, I just lather down big time, because I just I think, man, there's a lot of sick people probably here. And so whenever I look at the hospital, I look at the hospital and I get nervous about going there. But the hospital is for sick people. Now, why do sick people go to the hospital? Because that's a place where they get treated. I mean, it's a place that they go to. If, they're, if, they're, if their body is broken, if their body is in need of some kind of medicine and they need help, well, naturally they end up going to the hospital. Well, spiritually, that's, that's who the church is. Whenever people are broken spiritually and they, they are empty and they are looking for, for, for fulfillment in their lives, guys, it, this is the place to come. This is the place where we want to bring our friends and our neighbors who are busted up. It says we, meaning Christians, are to bear the failings of the weak. That word bear, it means to carry the load of another. When we see those who are weak, church, it's us, we carry the load. 
We pray for them. We minister to them. We, we reach out to them. Why? Because we believe in this church that Jesus is the healer. That Jesus is the one who changes lives. Acts 4.12 tells us there is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. That is the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only, only, only chance we've got. And people need to know that. Now I know there's a lot of different religions, a lot of different ideas out there. And I will, I will be honest with you, I'll tell you that, that there are some, there's some good teachings that are in other religions. Now, I'm not saying that, that we need to go out and follow all those religions. Matter of fact, in our, in our church, one of the things that we do and that we teach because we believe this is that while there might be good things outside of this church, there is only one who can bring ultimate healing to a person's life. That's it's Jesus. Jesus is the only way. And so what we have to understand is that we are here... Not just to make people feel good, we are here to bandage wounds with the, with the message of Jesus who brings healing, who brings hope. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 reminds me of, of why I'm here, what our purpose is as a church. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than ourselves, not merely looking out for our own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. When we come into this church, guys, this church is not about is it's not about me. This church is not necessarily about you. It is about God and the work that He can do in the lives of people who are broken. But if that's going to happen, if work is going to take place here where people are bandaged up, then we have to have people who are broken coming here. And guess who it is that is to invite those people here? To help people be healed and to be restored. It's us. Now, if we ignore them, if we see people who are in need of being bound up spiritually and we ignore them, it, things only get worse. If we just simply look at this place as a place that's all about me, that selfishness carries with it a cost. It's a price to pay for that. I read a story, uh, this actually is a number of years ago, but it happened back in 1984 in St. Louis. I thought it was an interesting story about a lady who just ignored a situation for too long. She noticed in her house that there were some bees that were kind of flying around, and uh, she didn't think much about it, and that, that they were flying, and they'd go up into her attic. Now, they weren't bothering her so much, so she just ignored it. I thought, oh, it's just a few bees. Well, the few bees ended up becoming like hundreds of bees. Now, I don't know how you ignore hundreds of bees, but this lady did. And she ignored all these bees. I promise you this is a true story. So all these bees are flying into her house, and she ignores it. It becomes thousands of bees. This is crazy. Now, this lady ignores the problem, but what she didn't realize is that these bees, they were honeybees, and they were getting up in her attic, and they created this humongous honeycomb. Now, I love honey, which is, I think would be kind of cool, but it was just a huge amount of honey. It was like over 300 pounds of honey that was in the attic of her house. Now, unfortunately, her house wasn't all that well built. And so one day, as she's sitting down eating breakfast, guess what happens? The roof collapses with honey. And it comes crashing down. She's able to crawl out of her house without being, you know, she didn't get killed or get injured or anything like that. But because she neglected the problem for so long, there was nothing they could do in order to restore her house. Isn't that a crazy story? It doesn't really fit here, but when there's crazy people, I like to share that with you. But it doesn't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that whenever you ignore a problem for too long, 
it becomes worse. Now, church family, if we get to a point, and I'm not saying we're there, but if we get to a point where we ignore the people that are outside this church who are broken, who are in need of mending and healing and prayer, I promise you, their lives will crumble and they'll be in spiritual disarray and we will be the people that are to blame. Because God gave us a responsibility as a church. And our responsibility is to be a place that bandages, bandages, bandages? bandaged wounds. I don't know how to say that. Ah, I'm, a, I'm a Richland 2 product. So anyway, bandaged wounds. That's why the church is here. Why else is the church here? The church is also here to be a place to become strong. Now, you have your wounds bandaged, but when we bandage people, we are also to help them become restored as a church so that they can become strong in this world. Now, look with me in verse 2. It says, Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself as it is written... The insult of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now, if the church is to be a hospital that's going to bandage up the wounds of people that are, that are desperate and hurting, the other part of our responsibility is we're to, we're to restore them. We're to, help them. we're to help see them become stronger. If you again look in verse number 2, he says, Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Each of us. He's speaking of the church. He's speaking of Christians again. Now, this is not an easy task for the church. If we decide we're going to be a hospital for the, for the helpless, you know what's going to happen here? It's, it, it will be messy. People's lives are messy. Now, I... I like to deal very oftentimes on the surface with things. And y'all, I'm just, this is a little confessional. For, I'm not going to tell y'all everything about me because I have to let y'all think really good things about me. But I can tell you this. Uh, you know, there are times whenever you'll talk to somebody and you'll say, hey, how you doing? And, and my, the answer I'm, if, just in case you're wondering, the answer I'm looking for is fine. Okay? That's what I'm looking for. But there are times when people will tell me different and they will not say fine. And I'm like, oh, and in my mind, I'm thinking I'm pastor, so I've got to I've got to change my thinking here. But in my mind, I'm thinking I just I just want you to say fine. But if you're going to be involved in people's lives, and it gets messy and it, it can become dirty. But is that is that what God's called us to do? Well, yeah, he says we are to build each other up like a hospital we are to minister to those who are broken and help restore them to their strength. Now, the church, or the, you can even look at the hospital. A hospital has some things that are there in order to help the people that work there. I mean, they have a cafeteria there. They have chaplains there. Uh, they have workout facilities in a hospital. But the hospital, by and large, is there for one major reason. Sick people. The, all the, the majority of the rooms are there for people who are in need of help. Now, likewise, the church, there are things that are in this church that are for believers. I, I, I love the church. I love the fellowship that I have with people. I love it whenever we leave the church today and go to San Jose's and we all sit together. I love that. Some of my best friends are in the church. There's so many great things 
about the church. Because this church isn't about me. The main focus and purpose of this church is not me, and you know, it's not you. It's not other believers. It is for the worship of Jesus and to point other people to Jesus so that they might discover life. Jesus is our example in this. If you look back in verse number 3, Paul let us know that Jesus did not come into this world in order to please himself. Jesus did not come here in order to receive attention. He didn't come here so that people would go, oh, look how good he looks. Jesus came here to be a sacrifice for us that we might know him. Jesus said in John 4.34, My food is to, do the, is to do the will of Him who sent me to accomplish His work. And the church has the same calling as Christ. We're here for others. We're, we're here to be a place, a group of believers that are selfless in all that we do. We are to be selfless. But whenever we are selfish... Now, sometimes that can get you in trouble. It can get you, actually, it can get you nowhere. Um, I, I read an article in Time magazine, and this is for those of us who have children. They, they probably know what I'm talking about here. Uh, Time magazine did a story on Sony. And Sony came out with the beta. You know those beta tapes for your VCRs? Y'all remember those? Okay, they came out with those, and they, they, they actually did not share that technology with anybody else. They tried to keep it to themselves because they wanted to dominate the market. Well, JVC was another company that came out, and they made what was known as the you know, VHS tapes. Okay, just because I'm curious, how many of y'all had beta? Anybody have a beta? Man, y'all are crazy. Okay, now, how, but how many of y'all had the VHS? Okay, yeah, we blow y'all beta people out. Now, that's, that was a problem. Now, what happens, JVC came along, and they, they had this new technology. They shared their technology with everybody. They didn't care. They said, we want everybody to have all of our technology because they wanted to flood the market so they'd have more people to you know, interact with, to do business with. You know what that did to Sony? At one time, they had like 70% of the market. After JVC came out, they went from 70% of the market to 10%. Eventually, they quit making beta tapes. And it just all became v VHS. Now, I'm sure my, my son's probably going, what is a VHS? But anyway, so that's, but that's what happens whenever you're selfish, whenever you don't share. And I think that's a story, for, a lesson for the church as well. If we become so totally committed to ministering just to us and ourselves, we will render ourselves as a church obsolete. I honestly believe that whenever our church becomes focused in reaching others and ministering to others, it is then that we see the power of God through the church. You know, nobody ever wakes up saying, you know, or not many people who wake up saying, I, I really hope I go to the hospital today. No, nobody says that. But you know what? If they're sick and they're broken, they need to go there. It is our responsibility to help people look at the church as a hospital and say, you know what, I need to go to the church because I'm broken spiritually, because I need healing and restoration. So church family, what does that mean for us? It means we have to do what we can to help people see the need and the importance of the church family. Now I'm not saying that we just that we just tolerate, you know, all kinds of all kinds of viewpoints and sins in order just to bring more people here. We want to be true to the message of Christ. But I do believe we need to be like the apostle Paul. 
when the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, 19-22, he said, Though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, that I might win more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. And to those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though to being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I may by all means save some. Village Church, we can't build people up until we have people here who are in need of being built up. So what's our responsibility? Bandage wounds. What's our responsibility? To be a place that makes people strong. The last thing I want you to see, our final responsibility, is we're to be a place of unity. And I just want to read to you these final three verses, starting in verse 5. It says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order that you may bring praise to God. When people come into the church, one thing they should sense about the church is that there is a spirit of peace and unity here. And we should never come into the church and go, man, those people are fighters. You should come to the church and say, man, what a sorry spirit. These people don't get along. You can know that if there is a spirit of division in the church, I promise you, that's not from God. That does not come from the Lord at all. We're told in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, For God is not a God of disorder, but He is a God of peace. We're to have unity here. Now, I know that's easier said than done. It's hard just to get two people to agree, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's hard for us to, to just get along. There's a story about a man that had been stranded on an island for a number of years. And he's always looking for rescue. No one ever came by. So this guy, after a number of years, just had just given up. And he had built this little house for himself, and he's living there, and he happens to see finally a boat go by. And the guy goes bananas. And he starts burning stuff, trying to get their attention. He's got smoke going up into the sky. He's up there yelling, screaming at the top of his lungs, and the boat happens to see him. And they begin to make their way towards him, and they, they finally make their way to this little island. And the man's ecstatic. He's crying. He's jumping up and down. The captain gets off the boat, and the captain says, hey, What's going on? He tells him he's been stranded for years. And he says, you can come get on the boat. He said, we'll take you home. He said, before we do, he said, God, look at your island. He said, I see that you built like this little town here. And he's like, I didn't have much to do by myself. And so he said, well, yeah. He goes, just come on, I'll show you around. So he shows him around. They're walking around this island. And it was really impressive. There was, little, there was a little house. And there was another, he had a, you know, a beach house and one in, on the inside of the island. And he made a little store and all these different things. And when they're coming back to the, to the boat, the captain stops him and says, I got, I got one question for you. It's kind of strange. He said, but I noticed that there are two churches on the island, just you. He said, well, what's the deal with that? He said, well, when I first got here, we had a church split. Now, uh, you know, guys, we have a... That didn't go over well the first service either. Uh, <laughs> You know, we have a hard time getting we have a hard time getting along with each other. Sometimes we just have a hard time getting along with ourselves as well. But you know, there there is to be unity in the church. And he said, "What are we supposed to be unified about?" Hey guys, we're supposed to be unified about the the majors of the faith. In this church, when we come here, let me tell you what we're to be unified in: 
who Jesus is. Who's Jesus? He's the Son of God. He's our sacrifice. He's our hope for redemption. What's another thing we need to be unified about? It's in this book. Trusting and believing that it is God's Word and that it is our guide for our faith and practice in life. Now, there are some other things that, that we don't have to agree on that are off spiritual, that have nothing to do with, with you know, being a spiritual person or not. You know, like what kind of music do you like? We can all have different opinions on that about you know, how we do certain things, how we put together things. We can all have different ideas and opinions on that. But where we get into trouble is when we try to take things that are not spiritual at all and we try to make them spiritual and we cause division in the church and heartache and pain. I, I, whenever I was, and then there's nothing really that, that will irritate me more than that. When I was in seminary, I was a youth pastor at a church. And when I was there, there was this sort of this undercurrent that was going on in the church. And I didn't know what was going on. I was, you know, I was just, I was young and dumb. I was excited to be working in church. But what I found out is about three years before I got there, the, a couple of people in the church had decided to move the church organ. And they moved that church organ, and guys, it caused dissension in the church. Now, is that nuts? Now, and I, I wouldn't have believed it had I not seen it. But because of that, the church, they lost, they were always fighting, and they lost their testimony in the community because they were not unified. They were bickering and arguing about things that had nothing to do with Scripture. So Paul says we're to be unified. Paul says this, he says, Speak with one heart and with one voice to bring glory to God. Our purpose here is not to bring glory to ourselves. You see, if we're not unified, then the presence of God will not be in our midst. And if we're going to see healing, if we're going to see brokenness restored, we're going to see marriages brought back together, guys, we have to be unified in the message of Jesus. So you say, well, how how can we be unified? In verse 7, Paul says, we're to accept each other as Christ has accepted us. How did Jesus accept us? In Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why are we to accept one another? Because that's how Jesus accepted us. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 40, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. When we accept one another, you know what we're doing? We are accepting Christ himself. But a congregation that, that, that fights, believers, when we fight, we become quarrelsome and divisive. We'll lose our witness and our testimony in our community. But it's only when we work together, when we are united behind the message of Jesus, that we will see the power of God fall on this place and in our community. You want to see lives healed? You want to see people who are spiritually destitute? You want to see them changed? And guys, let's come together as a group of believers and let us be praying for them, saying, God, may your grace and your mercy and your power fall on this place because we trust and believe in you. you. Guys, let me tell you something. God will move here. God will change lives here. Now, what's our responsibility as a church? It's to bandage the wounded. It's to be a place where people become strong. And then finally, it's to be a place of unity. Now, what's that going to mean for us if we get serious about it? Ah, uh, there's going to be people that'll come that'll, that'll come here that don't know that don't know deadly about God, that don't know how to act, 
that don't know Scripture, that's okay. We are here for them to discover Jesus. Why do we want them to discover Jesus? Because Jesus changed your life, and He changed my life. And we didn't deserve it. And I want to see other people have lives that are rescued from the pit. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the church. God, I have my greatest friends, my greatest supporters in the church. And Jesus, I thank you for the promise that you've given the church. You, you told your followers, you said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Lord, we have power in your name. And I pray, Lord, for, for any who are here today who are searching for healing, who have wounds that need to be bandaged. Jesus, I pray today that they would turn to you and they would call out to you in prayer and pray something like this, Jesus, heal me. Jesus, my life is broken. God, I am hurting. And I pray that you will reach down and God, that you will soothe my soul. And some need to just simply pray, Jesus, I ask you to save me, to redeem me, to cleanse me of my sin. And today I trust in you. And others of us as believers need to simply call out to you and say, Jesus, I need to recapture the vision of the church that it is it is here not for me but Jesus for you that you may show your glory and show your healing power God bless this time that we have together may we do business with you today and I pray these things in Christ's name